0: everyone hope you are having a great week Brittany and I are excited to be with you this week and we're going to talk about one of our favorite things one of our most utilized things I think in our hygiene today we are talking about reaching your full potential with perio protect trays and before we like really dig in and start talking about this I want to talk about kind of what started this curiosity Um, and I'll say for me but I know it's for us I kind of started first and then like showed it to Brittany and she's like wow that's pretty cool and we both have gotten really really obsessed with it but we have to first start with let's just talk about periodontal disease in general okay so we know that in 2015 the CDC came out with some stats that said that 47% of patients 30 years and older have some form of periodontal disease and that jumps up to 70% at age 65 and older so, obviously, we've got kind of an epidemic going on across our country. And, again, that was in 2015. We are now in 2021, which tells me that those numbers are probably higher, right? Yep. Um, and I also think we've got it. We can't ignore the fact that periodontal disease is has been implicated in so many other systemic issues and diseases. You know, research is pouring out. Mm-hmm. You know, they've been causative... Oral pathogens for things like heart attack, stroke, arthritis, diabetes, Alzheimer's, preterm low birth weight babies, kidney disease, respiratory infections, um, inhibits cancer, you know, fighting cancer. Um, And in fact, we got to think about it because we are in the middle of a pandemic with COVID. Um, There was just a study done that came out that said that COVID patients that have periodontal disease are 8.8 times more likely to die of COVID. Wow. Of that inflammatory condition that's already present. So I've got to, you know, I feel like we have got to put that umbrella out there to just say, you know, perio is a really big, big issue um, for us as hygienists. We see it day in and day out. And, you know, it's easy to kind of get stuck in the mindset of, oh, it's some bleeding gums, it's some redness and inflammation, there's some bone loss I see on the x-rays, but it's really, really important that we understand the full systemic effect that it can have on our patients and their quality of life. And so that being said, you know, up until you know, about 12 years ago, like the way that we would address periodontal disease would to be either to do non-surgical periodontal therapy, um, scaling root planing, Or refer the patient to the periodontist where they might do surgical procedures, they might do, you know, They a lot of different options on that front. But the reality is, because this is a bacterially driven disease, and we are not actively sterilizing the patient's mouth for the long term, those bacteria take back over. And so that's why we've always told our patients, hey, we don't have a cure for periodontal disease because we don't have a cure for those bacteria. They they are always going to be repopulating. And especially when we have deeper pockets and the toothbrush bristles and our floss and our water pick, nothing can really reach down there. It becomes this roller coaster effect of us doing therapy and things looking better for a while. And then those bacteria communities taking back over, secreting those toxins. And now we're seeing inflammation and bone loss again. And it's just kind of this long-term roller coaster and I feel like we've always just kind of slapped band-aids on it.
1: Yeah and I, and I think that yeah I agree and, and I want to touch back to and just back up a little bit and talk about just the deficit that there is in you know treating because I think this is such an important I don't think that we can overshare this point I know that we have talked about it before and I'm sure that we will again in the future but you know according to your CDC stats that's a lot of people who have perio disease that's a huge portion of our population that's the majority Yeah, go under that umbrella, you know, but and I want to just say, um, I think, when we look at dental Intel, dental Intel is um, intelligence, uh, like a tech intelligence company that helps us to measure uh, our goals, basically, like attracts everything from what we're doing as an office production collections, um, procedure counts, all that stuff, uh, period percentage, pre appointment rate, all that stuff. Um, and Teresa and I, our offices both use it, but I just think that it is just such an interesting stat from 2019 that I know you and I reflect on all the time. And that is that, uh, the lowest performing 10% of offices in the United States have only been treating in in the year 2019, um, only treated 3% of their patients for perio disease. That's not even close to that's a, that's a gross under treatment, under assessment, under diagnosis, under educate, under educating our patients. And then the average office treated 16% of their patients for periodontal disease. And the top 10% of offices treated 31% of their patients for periodontal disease. So as great as that is to hear like, okay, top 10%, we're in the thirties. That's good news. It doesn't, you know, really hold a candle to our population's needs. So this is just another way that we as hygienists can start doing whatever we can to control this, um, this epidemic, you know, it's just another tool in our tool belt to be able to Keep this intermittent and latent disease latent. You right. Know, let's keep it in an inactive state longer periods of time. You know, because we know that it's cumulatively damaging. Can't tell you how many patients that I have who have had a uh, osseous surgery and then land app years later, and then uh, scaling root planing in between, and arrestin and all this stuff. And it's just like they go home, and all those anaerobes just take over in the bottom of the pocket because they've got all these all these factors. It's multifactorial, and it's just like you know whether it's their genetics plays the biggest part for them or. Their stress level, their immune health, other factors, you know, come into it, no matter what it is for them, we've got to figure out a way to keep this arrested for as long as possible, because, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's not just about um, preventing the comorbidities, the systemic comorbidities. And um, it's not just about treating the period disease for, for the obvious reasons. You know, I think that the, the long-term effects, and when I think of my older and aging population here in South Florida, a lot of them are retirees. A lot of them are, um, our geriatric population. And at the end of life, what really determines like a person's quality of life is their ability to communicate, to breathe and to chew. Right. So all three of those have, have to do with having teeth, having functional teeth. So their, their communication, their, their ability to socialize with others. Think of how important that is for aging populations for anyone, you know, but, but think of what they will lack if they don't have The teeth and and uh, esteem or whatever they need to feel comfortable communicating and being in a social setting. So that's one aspect. And then the collapsing face, right? The collapsing face that comes with uh, losing teeth and that shrinking alveolar bone, a shrinking ridge, and the constant even denture adjustments and partial adjustments and all this stuff. It just doesn't replace. You know, if if someone can't afford implants, it's like we've got we've got to fill the gap because that facial collapse can increase the likelihood of OSA. And then that increases tenfold. And it's just like this spirally out of control thing. And then their ability to chew, are they getting adequate nutrients? If they're losing teeth, no, they're not. They're not able to, to chew the things that they need, the vegetables that they need. They're not, they're not able to get adequate nutrients. So they're, so they're not those, just those three aspects. You know, if we think of it just in regards to dentally and functionally, like that is worth filling the void and the gap, right? Yes. So I think this is, uh, you know, you totally like open. I feel like you opened my eyes in regards to period protect. I had no idea that this technology existed. You were super passionate about it for years before I even came into contact with, and you're the one who shared it with me and you shared your anecdotal experience. I read up on the research on it. Research is incredible on these trays. Um, just changing the, uh, the, the flora in, in someone's periodontal pocket, just killing those anaerobes and keeping the aerobes happy. And And making it so that something is disrupting that negative pattern and keeping the ratio of good to bad bacteria in check in between the times that our patients are seeing us. That's what the perioprotect trays do. So and I'm just I'm excited about it because I've seen your excitement and what you've done for your patients and what we've done for our patients now. And it's just like I can't say enough good things about it.
0: Well, and I'm gonna get into it in just a second of what exactly it is and the science behind how it works, but. Um, You know, you might be a doctor listening to this and going, you know, well, let's, let's get down to it. Let's talk about the bottom line of it, because obviously we want to do everything we can to help our patients and help them be as healthy as possible. But we also have to consider like what's the bottom line of the practice and what's this going to do for us from a financial aspect. And I've talked to other hygienists who get a little scared, you know, it's a thought of perioprotect. They're like, well, you know, I, 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 do, I make a lot of production when I'm doing my scaling and root cleaning. Like, you know, what if I, if I change to perioprotect, what that, what's that going to look like? And I, I mean, I think you and I can both speak to the inordinate increase in our production in using the perioprotect and it's not a replacement for it's more of an ad, adjunct to, um, but once you start using it, you see the, the benefits of it and the patients are raving about it and how easy it is for them to use. And they're telling their f- friends and family. I mean, it's just going to drive your production up.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it, and you bring up a, a valid fear of like, oh, am I not going to be able to do treatment on this person? But let's go back to our why for a second and say, like, why am I here? Like, I'm I'm here to help the person have the best quality of life, to live their best life, to be their healthiest self. So I don't think that's even like really really a consideration for most of us, but I agree that from a financial standpoint, it is totally lucrative. It totally works for the practice. It, it's working smarter, not harder. And it's kind of a no brainer in my, in my opinion, just how it's, how it's shaped our practice productivity. Well, and I
0: think I'm just going to throw this out there because I know, because I felt this, that I had these kind of automatic negative thoughts at the beginning, when I first heard about Perio protect was like, what a tray can do that like that doesn't sound like that would work so i'm just gonna throw down the gauntlet and say try it just try it because i promise you i have been using it in my practice coming up on nine years now and i it is one of my all-time favorite things i think everybody in the world should have PerioProtect. protect i wear perio protect so let's talk a little bit about what it is specifically Um, Perioprotect is a prescription tray application of peroxide gel. And what happens is you take a patient's uh, impressions or digital scan, they can use either, um, and you send that off to the lab and they fabricate these trays that have a peripheral seal around the gum line. So the tray extends not just onto the teeth, but onto the gum line as well. And there is a very specific peripheral seal that they build into these trays. It's super cool because not only do you send the um, the scan or the impression, but you also send their period depth, their charting, their perio charting, because they design that seal to force the gel all
1: the way to the base of each of those pockets. So it's very Even if the pocket is a. 10, 10. yep. Well, yes. So so it's very specific. That's yes. the most amazing thing to me is like you said, you submit either a scan or an impression and then the perio chart and the pressure on the seal is specific to how far that perio gel needs to go. Yes. And then, so the perio gel is a 1.7% gel.
0: Um, just actually, just uh, in the month of February, 2021, um, they started adding in xylitol as well. So they now have perio gel X that uses xylitol as a sweetener, which is super awesome as we know for decay prevention and um, you know just another great adjunct to, to using the trays. So that's something that's super cool that, that they just did. Um, you can also add in doxycycline calcium mixture or a vibromycin liquid. Um, and this is gonna sound crazy to some of you because I didn't know this was a thing. But it can be used topically in the trays to stimulate antioxidants, or I'm sorry, as an antioxidant to stimulate osteoblasts to lay down new bone. You can literally rebuild bone with these trays. And I've seen it. I've seen it happen. I've seen teeth that were mobile go completely solid and stable and not mobile. Um, I've had a doctor, one of our doctors who used to do our wisdom teeth extractions would kind of yell at me and say, Hey, if you want me to take those wisdom teeth out down the road, please don't put them on Vibromycin because it makes it almost impossible to get those teeth out. So it's really, really cool technology. Um, now because it is using a peroxide based gel, a really nice side effect of the trays is they will gradually whiten your patient's teeth significantly. Um, it's not as fast obviously as, as doing a whitening, um, type treatment because it's such a low dose, but over time cumul- cumul- cumulatively, um, it's it's a very significant whitening.
1: Yeah, let's let's touch on um, the vibromycin for a second. So I think that it's important to remember, like I so I haven't had the anecdotal experience that you have. I haven't seen the bone regener- regrowth regeneration. I haven't I, I you know, and maybe it's just I haven't. Um, been using them long enough maybe I had my you know we've been using them for two years we know that bone is one of the slowest yep. growing you know things just like nerves and that sort of thing in the body so I haven't seen that bone regeneration but what I can think of for you know skeptics and people who are like what do you mean like what are you talking about um I can just kind of like hear that because that's definitely my initial thought when I hear that and if it weren't coming from you I would have a lot of doubts I'd be like oh yeah okay but I, I want to just um refer to a couple of studies that have been around for quite a while and I can, uh, find, uh, maybe we can find a way to link it to this podcast or something, because I don't remember specifically where, where this information came from. I just remember in hygiene school and reading, you know, recent articles about, um, chlorhexidine versus, uh, doxycycline, uh, or minocycline subgingively, you know, any tetracycline subgingively, um, it would just be this comparison of like chlorhexidine would inhibit that, uh, uh, long junctional epithelium. So it inhibit like fibroblasts and things from kind of reconnecting, even if it's a pseudo attachment, that's part of what we want to do is to shrink the pocket. We want that inflammation to come down from the coronal portion. And we want that junctional epithelium to be long and form a pseudo attachment to the tooth so that the pocket is shallower and more cleansable for our patient, right? That's one of the things that we're trying to do when we do non-surgical periotherapy, um, but from the bottom of the pocket, it was found that chlorhexidine inhibits the pseudo attachment from happening. So we get less resolution when we use chlorhexidine. So I usually use that for patients that we don't need reattachment for, or we don't, we don't really need that long junctional epithelium. So that would be like my gingivitis patients I use it for, right. Cause we're not trying to, to bring anything back from the bottom and it's really just getting the inflammation under control. Um, but if we think about the studies on arrestin, and I know that that's in the tetracycline family is that. That in comparison with chlorhexidine and that by itself has been shown to, um, uh, one, boost the connection with the fibroblasts and and like the little collagen fibers and things that actually form that pseudo attachment, but also does reinforce alveolar bone, the the actual alveolar bone. So, So that is what makes me think and kind of tips me off to the fact that, huh there might be something to this and gets me a little curious to see what happens, you know, and I have, I've prescribed the the vibromycin for a few patients and they've been using it. I think my longest patient has been a year now, you know, and I haven't seen that clinical anecdotal evidence, but I'm like really curious to see how that develops.
0: Average it takes about 18 months. And I tell the patient, Hey, it took a while to lose bone. It takes a while to grow bone. And typically that vibromycin for application to regrow bone is going to be the patient wearing those trays twice a day to make, Mm -hmm. to make that happen.
1: Well, that makes sense. Yeah. And even when we do um, laser assisted new attachment, you know, protocol, you want to do LANAP and laser assisted surgery and PIP and all that stuff. Um, that's, you know, how long it takes. We don't probe for a year. We're forming that regeneration. And then we take an FMX and sometimes we see regeneration. Sometimes it takes longer. I think for the full results of LAN app, it takes about three to five years. Like, I know it takes longer than that initial year. Right. So that, that makes sense.
0: Yeah. So the periogel, the whole purpose of the periogel. So every patient that I have uses the periogel. And what that does is specifically targets the anaerobes. So, you know, obviously you've got the good healthy bacteria. Those are the... Aerobes. Aerobes, thank you. And then we've got the um, oral pathogens, which, which are the anaerobes. And so those are what are hiding down in the pocket. You know, it's warm, moist, dark, not a lot of oxygen down there. And what the trays do is because it is in gel form, it forces that gel to the base of the pocket and holds it in place. You know, we've got the positive pressure of the sulcular um, fluid coming out that's trying to, you know, flush everything out. So you've got to have that that positive pressure to hold that in place so that it it can stay. And it, it honestly kind of debrides away any buildup that's down in there and oxygenates those anaerobes and pops their their cell wall and kills them. So it's a great way to get that into every single nook and cranny um, in that patient's mouth and eradicate what's actively there, but then create a community that they cannot continue to live in. So it's a very smart way of addressing those bacteria, which is really what's causing all of the problem. And and, and you, you you alluded to, it is definitely multifactorial, um, but if you can control the, anero- if you can control the bacteria, you can control that patient's outcome. And so yeah. that's what these trays do.
1: If you can control one or more of the factors, it becomes a lot less yeah, prevalent. And right. you basically undermine all the layers of the plaque and calculus lasagna, exactly. if you will. Exactly. Yes.
0: So what does this look like? So, um, you know, let's talk about who's a good candidate. And obviously, I said, I feel like, honestly, everyone is a good candidate, right? Because I personally don't want to have those anaerobes hanging out anywhere subjunctively, and that is why I use them. Um, So obviously, I think everyone's a candidate, but if you're just getting started and you're not quite sure, um, I think one of the best places to start is your active perio patients who have active disease. You see the bleeding, you see the, the redness and the inflammation, you see the bone loss, um, and then your patients who are perio maintenance that aren't really staying stable, that we're not really maintaining health, you know, they're coming in every three months, but we're still seeing bleeding, we're still seeing inflammation. Um, obviously, we're not able to really control that that uh, microbiome and, and make sure that things are healthy. So um, I think that's the best place to start um, patients that have implants. It's beautiful because nothing's going to take your implant away except bone loss. So if we can prevent that. That's a beautiful thing. Um, I also love it for patients who have a high decay rate because you can also put in, we use um, carry-free 5000 gel um, as a prescription fluoride gel in our office. Um, so I have some patients that alternate between wearing the periogel and wearing the carry-free gel. Um, and it's great for patients who have a lot of recession because again, it's holding that gel, it's forcing that gel all the way down around the roots.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, obviously I've got the
1: xylitol on top of that. That's yeah, great.
0: Yeah. Um, obviously any of your patients who have systemic issues going on, you know, you've got somebody who's, you know, got, an, got arthritis, um, diabetes, uncontrolled diabetes, um, you know, your heart attack, stroke risk, or previous history patients, your pregnancy patients, Um, There's just there's so many options for people um, that are great great candidates so you you find your candidate and then the process involves um, either taking your scan or taking your impressions um, and sending those off to the lab. Can I add to the candidates?
1: Yeah, please. We have, we have similar but different kind of rationale at, at Spodak. So so because we have kind of a different uh, modality than you, like we're multi-specialty, we don't really refer out, we do a lot of our own treatment because we've got the periodontist and the oral surgeon and the endodontist with us, you know, on our team. So we refer to them in our practice. So um, we came up with a protocol uh, and actually for, from what I understand, LANAP uh, is... Regulating, like whatever whoever regulates LANAP, wherever that came from originated, um, has added peri protector, periomedicament carriers, these trays um, to their protocol. Wow. So at the yeah, so so from what I understand, that's what you know. I heard this from our our former prosthodontist um, at Spodak. So I you know I'm just enlightened because of him. But we now include uh, peri protector trays in every LANAP treatment plan. So anyone who's having laser assisted Therapy does need to oxygenate the pockets because we can't clean subgingively for a year. We can't probe, you know, nothing's getting down there. They need to oxygenate those pockets and kill the anaerobes without damaging the regeneration that's going on. So that is the safe and effective way to do that. So all LENAT patients is a, is a great, um, is a, someone who's great to implement it on anyone that I see in my schedule who has had a history of multiple treatments for their active period. So that could be non-surgical therapy. Yes. That can be uh, surgery plus non-surgical. It can be multiple surgeries. It can be, you know, just different things that has been ongoing. I can tell, I can explain to them, Hey, this has been a roller coaster. Every time this is active, it is cumulative damage. So you lost a little bit of bone. We arrested it. Now you're losing a little bit on top of that. So eventually we're going to come to the place where teeth become loose. And then we don't really have options for for keeping them and saving them. We'll have to talk about replacing them at that point. So let's try this because guess what? We've tried, we've tried a lot of other things. We've modified your home care. You're doing your part at home. We've got to get something else in between the times that you're seeing me to disrupt those bacteria, kill the bad bacteria that are, that are remaining active, that are causing this to be really this roller coaster ride, this cyclical problem for you. And, and usually patients are like, yes, I've invested like $50,000, like something crazy. You know, if they've had surgeries and treatments, like this is, this is a no brainer for them. So Anyone who's had multiple treatments in the past, anyone who we do salivary testing on who has a refractory perio is a big thing for us. And um, we, we do a lot of salivary testing. Our periodontist does a lot of salivary testing. If they have refractory perio, they are getting perio trays. Anyone who does full mouth restorative, all those crowns, the margins, we need to maintain the, the gum tissue around them. That is like no brainer for that too. So I just want to throw out some other ideas because yes, definitely. I agree with Sharisa Like. Uh, totally. It's a preventive. It is a treatment modality. It's a maintenance tool. It is like this highly dynamic thing. Um, but I think that all of those patients are great candidates. And, and I also want to tie back the candidates. Uh, sometimes we have to think out of the box in order to address the patient's chief complaint, right? So if a patient comes in and their chief complaint is, I want to wipe my teeth, right? But they also have perio disease. They're not as interested in that. They don't see the value in in treating that as much. And they're really just set on like, oh, let's let's whiten the teeth even after being educated. This is the the route that I would use to do that for that patient, right? Because we're getting from the health aspect what the patient really needs. They're getting what they need. And also they're getting what they wanted as well. They're getting their white teeth. So I think it can be used in that way. There, There are just so many things that I can think of in so many ways that specific patient scenarios that I can think of. That have we've enrolled PerioProtect and it's just been like the best thing. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. So, um,
0: like I said, you'll 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 get your initial scan or impression, send that off to the lab. It t- typically takes about three weeks to get back to you. Um, now, here's another interesting thing: is and I know Brittany and I do this a little bit differently. So I work in Georgia, and I um, am very limited with what I can do treatment wise for periodontal disease. You know, I obviously can do scaling and root planing. I cannot anesthetize myself. So I've got to get the doctor involved for that. Um, I cannot touch a laser. Um, so I, I, feel like I'm kind of, kind of tied now for me personally, because of what I know and understand about perio and all the connections systemically. And I know that whenever I'm performing non-surgical periotherapy, And I'm creating all that bleeding, I'm creating that bacteremia, I'm introducing all of that bacteria into their bloodstream at once. And that, that is something I'm not super keen on. Um, And I make sure my patients understand that, that if we go that route, that that's, that's the reality of what's happening. Um, So because of all that, I like to use perioprotect trays as my initial therapy. So for me, I will have them wear the trays for four weeks before i go in and do any kind of scaling and root planing Um, because i really want that bacterial community to be diminished i want to see less inflammation and less bleeding Um, i think it's just a much healthier route to go so that's kind of how i start in our practice Um, and then they'll wear them three times a day for 10 to 15 minutes for that first four weeks They come back in, I reassess, I'm, I'm, you know, taking a new perio chart, I'm seeing, you know, one to two millimeters, sometimes three millimeters less of pocket depths. And that's, you know, that reduced inflammation, um, and less bleeding and less tenderness for the patient. Um, And then I'll go ahead and do my therapy. And then I have my patients wear the trays twice a day for the next three months. Um, And then as we go, and as we see them heal and progress, once my patients are stable and I'm not seeing any inflammation, I'm not seeing bleeding, everything looks really healthy, we've regained the attachment we want, then it's once a day for 10 to 15 minutes, long term.
1: Okay, and can I have a couple of questions because we treat and plan that we do this a little bit differently, I know. So you treat and plan, I know, before doing scaling. So that even that that goes for patients with like gross calculus accumulation too, like a lot of calculus, super gingivally. I've got.
0: I've got if I've got somebody that has a ton of buildup, um, mm-hmm. then a lot of times I'll go ahead and just remove that supra gingively okay. because I want those trays to fit long term. So I'll do more of a gross debridement for them first so that I can have access to the gum right. gums, and then I will take that scan.
1: So do you in any instances treatment plan two sets where you'll do a set before and then treat and then a that's set a
0: after? That's a great question.
1: I will do that for patients who have more
0: severe periodontal disease. So if I've got a patient that's got, you know, seven plus millimeter pockets. What I know about the um, ability of these trays is it's really going to reduce those pocket depths and that inflammation to the point where it's really going to change the the anatomy and the topography of the gingiva. So I know that as things heal and get healthy, those those trays and that seal aren't going to fit as tight so for those kind of patients, I do let them know like, Hey, either we've got really exacerbated inflammation here, or we've got really deep pockets and as things heal, it's going to change. So I want you to know that, you know, we're going to get to a point where these trays aren't fitting as tight, that seal isn't happening anymore. Then we're going to make you a second set of trays.
1: And three millimeters is the rule of thumb, right? When there's a reduction of three millimeters or more, that's really when the trays start, like they're not as effective. Isn't that kind of the... A- Give or I, I, take, think, give or take, I think,
0: yeah. and okay. it depends on how, how it depends on how much inflammation and infection, how many, you know, how many pockets there are, because if mm-hmm. you've got one site that's reduced by three, the rest of the tray is still going to fit really, really well. So it just kind of depends case by case.
1: Got it. And, and I just want to mention too, because I know what the effect is on calculus, but when you do this pre-treatment, what does it do to the calculus when you actually go to scale? Oh, it definitely softens it up. Right. I mean, and it's that, It's the,
0: you know, the peroxide, that ability to kind of bubble away at the, the debris and it does, it kind of eats through it. And that's why I have my patients wear them three to four times a day at the beginning of treatment is because it's literally kind of eating through those layers and and it's breaking it down. So yeah, it definitely comes off a whole lot easier.
1: Yeah. It makes the tenacious calculus like brittle and you'll notice that with recares too. So recares who wear it and who are still accumulating calculus, like we know that they, they do despite their best efforts it's just, it just flakes right off.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, really, really, I mean, I don't have anything bad to say about it. Thanks for investing your time and energy into listening to Bulletproof Hygiene. Remember to click subscribe to join our community of dental professionals that embrace growth and collaboration to better yourself, your patients, and our profession. For more information on our 2021 live summit, Bulletproof Hygiene book and training opportunities, download the Mighty Networks app and search Bulletproof Hygiene. People ask about, well, what about, you know, the the patient compliance? What does that look like? Um, And I think, you know, as with everything, you have some patients that are, you know, going to come off and on, you know. I had a patient Friday that was in. It was like, hey, how are you doing with your trays? And they're like, well, I was doing really good until I took a trip and I forgot my trays. And then I've come home and I just haven't gotten back on track. That's the reality of things. But I would say 80% of my patients are pretty darn consistent with it because they've seen the benefits. Their mouth feels better. The tenderness is gone. Their teeth are getting whiter. Yeah, they definitely... Stay, stay with it because it's working for them.
1: It's cool because this is the one thing I feel like you know, and and people ask all the time. Well, if my patient's not like great at flossing or they're not taking my home care recommendations, are they likely going to wear the trays? I mean, that's on a case by case basis. Like clearly, you know, if someone's not committed to wearing their aligners during Invisalign, they're not going to wear the aligners if they're not committed to flossing or brushing. And we see that over and over again. But I have, um, just anecdotally, seen a lot of patients who aren't the best with home care who kind of like refuse to floss, but are willing to try the trays. And then they notice the difference like in their own mouth and they notice either less bleeding, less tenderness, their gums look different to them, which I know is like very uncommon. People don't notice the way that their gums look, but I've had some patients say like, oh, wow, my gums actually look like, they looked, I don't know. They just look different. They, they, they look not as red or not as whatever, you know, they, they notice these things and it's just, I think it's the thing that patients can see the biggest change, you know, because we can see the change when they start flossing and brushing and that sort of thing, but, but they don't get the tooth whitening. They, they might not notice as much like the, the difference that it's making, but I feel like people really notice more with the perio trays for some reason. Right. Yeah, I really do. So you want to kind of get into the ins and outs of like what a perio protect onboarding enrolling protocol might look like.
0: Yeah, let's do it.
1: Did you have anything else clinical that you wanted to share on that? I don't
0: know if I think of something I'll hop in with it.
1: Okay. Okay. Um, So we came up with, uh, so at Spodak, this is all, we'll go over our kind of like protocol. And by the way, your verbiage is in here and it says by Charissa Wood from Atlanta Dental Spa. This is what we say to, to educate patients on PeriProtect because she is the ultimate resource for this. Um, So PeriProtect in our protocol, we, we explained, you know, what it is and what it isn't. So it doesn't replace Non-surgical periotherapy, LENAP, laser-assisted surgery, or, or traditional perio surgeries in general. Sometimes it can, if we try it as our initial modality for treatment, sometimes it can keep patients out of, out of that boat. And if we can do that for them, great, but a lot of times it's an adjunct to those things. So like I mentioned before, it's an adjunct to the laser. It's an adjunct to scaling and other treatments, and removing and debriding the the calculus and the disrupting the plaque biofilm and all that stuff. Initially, um, it's an you know intraoral tray system that uses suction over teeth. So we define what what it is. We define what can be used in it, like Teresa just went over. Um, we also define the differences between perio trays and night guards. So a night guard. Um, is hard acrylic material is on one arch and not the other. You don't wear it on both. It doesn't cover the gingiva. It's not meant for that. Clearly clearly um, the perio trays clearly cover the gingiva, have a completely different function. You use uh, a medicament in it to, to serve a completely different function. So this was information for our team, but it's also great information to think of for patients and be prepared for patients to ask, well, I have a night guard, can I just use that? No, you can't, it doesn't, it doesn't have the same design. It's not specific to your gums. It doesn't serve the same purpose at all. Like these are specific, here's why. I want to
0: add something very quickly in my head because I've had a couple of patients ask me. Mm -hmm. um, I actually had a patient this week who asked me, she said, well, I've got an event I want to go to and I want to see see if I can get my teeth a little bit whiter for that. Can I just use my whitening gel in my perio trays? And my eyes got huge. I was like, no, you cannot. So obviously anything you put in the trays, because it is forcing it subgingively, we do not ever want to put Whitening gel, that would be really, really uncomfortable for you. So just, just wanted to throw that out there as we're thinking about options and and things that we can use in the trays. I also want to say that you want to avoid putting anything with oils into the trays. I know we've got patients who are big fans of oil pulling and, you know, that sort of thing, whether we are or not, Um, And if you put oil into the trays, it can break that seal, release that seal so that it's no longer as effective. So just, just, just a couple of little things I thought of there.
1: Yep. Yep. Thank you for that. Um, the next thing that we that we went through, so we defined, you know, what's PeriProtect, how can it be used, what it is, what it isn't, and then steps for implementing PeriProtect for patient care. So that's what Teresa went over about determining who is a candidate, and we went through who's a candidate, rationale for recommendations, which is what we've already reviewed. The uh, the next thing is patient education. So we we defined the verbiage that we would use to help enroll patients for PeriProtect. Um, and Teresa, maybe you can go through some of the verbiage that you use because you enroll it so well and educate patients so well. Do you want to talk about how you bring it up with patients sure. and how that typically sure. goes? And
0: So, and I'm, you know me, I'm kind of, I know we talk about that we're not robots a lot, but I feel like sometimes I am kind of a robot only because- I've created very specific verbiage for things. And I just kind of, that's my go-to. And I feel like I just designed it in such a way that makes sense to people. Mm -hmm. Um, So the very first part of enrolling PerioProtect is helping your patient understand and own their condition. So I'm really big on, as I'm doing all of my assessments, I'm taking my x-rays, I'm taking my photos, I'm doing the Perio charting. I'm involving my patient in all of that so that they can see and understand what's going on in their mouth. You know, we all are very, very, very aware of how much periodontal disease can not hurt and not seem like a problem. And so many patients, you know, you do all your assessment, and you're like, hey, I, I got to tell you, you know, we've got some infection going on in here. And they're like, wait, what? Nothing hurts. Nothing bothers me. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's, it really takes involving your patient in that whole process. So showing them on the x-ray, pulling that up, showing them the bone loss, showing them the redness and the the inflammation in the photos, you know, having the conversation with them that the bleeding that they're seeing when they're flossing is not normal and not healthy. Um, and then when I perio chart, I always say, you know, I perio chart out loud that they can hear those numbers themselves, you know, and I preface it with, Hey, I'm going to go ahead and check the health of your gum and bone. I'm taking measurements around the gum line. You're going to hear me calling out numbers, anything from one to three, that's normal and healthy. That's what we want. Anything four or five or above or any areas of bleeding indicates an inflammation and infection. So that by the time I'm done with all of that, they have heard for themselves. You know, they can tell me, Ooh, that didn't sound very good. Or, Ooh, we got a problem. Then I sit them up. Cause this is the other thing. I think it's important to not say this while they're kind of leaned back at your mercy, sit yeah. them up. Let them feel comfortable. Let it be a conversation between two people. And I just say, hey, I'm really concerned. You heard me, you know, you, you heard me calling out those numbers. Um, let me tell you a little bit about what those mean and what's going on. So where you hear me say fours, that's where we have some inflammation. And that's basically, so let's think about this. We have a lot of healthy bacteria that we want in our mouths. Well, sometimes we get exposed to some of the bad bugs and those are typically anaerobic, meaning they don't like oxygen. So they really like to hide down below the gum line. It's warm, moist, dark, not a lot of oxygen. So they hang out there and they set up camp. In doing so, they start secreting toxins and that initiates the inflammatory response. So your gums get a little puffy, swollen, may feel some tenderness, see some bleeding. I know you mentioned that you've been seeing some bleeding. This is an infection going on. The areas of fives or six that you heard me say, that's where this infection has been going on long enough to where those same toxins have started to dissolve the bone underneath your gum. Let me show you on the x-ray. And you know I've got that on the screen for them and I'm showing them where the bone height should be versus where it is. I said, I'm really concerned because obviously this is a, this is a condition that will continue to degrade your bone around your teeth. Um, you know, Obviously from a dental aspect, We want to keep your teeth for the rest of your life. But if we start seeing that bone head south, if we lose enough bone, we'll lose supportive teeth and you can lose your teeth. Where I get more concerned are the systemic ramifications, because when we have this kind of infection going on and we've got that active bleeding happening, or we're chewing on inflamed gums, that releases all those bacteria and all those toxins directly into your bloodstream. And we know there's so much research that's showing us the the connection between there's about 12 different types of bad oral bacteria that they've seen implicated in things like heart attack, stroke, diabetes, arthritis, um, certain types of cancers. So I want to obviously, you know, I want everybody to have a smile that they love and they're really happy to show. But more importantly, I want to make sure that there's nothing happening in your mouth that puts you at greater risk for your overall health. This is also where I will tie in any personal issues from their medical history, lifestyle issues that they have going on. And I'll tie those in and bring that in to help them understand how this connects for them personally. Their
1: chief complaint.
0: Yes. Yes. So um, we've got a couple of ways that we can address this. Um, because I think it's important that you give your patient options so that they have feel like they have choices to make here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always tell them what I think the best option is going to be first. So, you know, I'll say I think the very best thing we could do for you is make you something called Perio Protect Trays. And that involves me doing a quick, easy digital scan. I send that off to the lab. It takes about three weeks to get there, get made and get back to us. You'll come back in for about a five minute appointment. It's just making sure the trays fit and feel comfortable showing you how to use and take care of them. You will wear those trays three times a day for 10 to 15 minutes. So while you take your shower in the morning, if you can catch it around lunch or dinner and then before you go to bed at night, you'll do that for four weeks. And I know that that might seem like a lot and that might be a lot to ask, but if we think about the fact that we are in active infection stage, this is how we're going to treat that and get that stopped. At the end of that four weeks, you're going to come back and see me. I'm going to recheck our, our period charting, just like we did today. And at that point, I expect to see a reduction in the pocket depth and the inflammation and the bleeding. And at that point, we'll kind of determine what type of cleaning we need to do. Sometimes these trays do a really, really great job if you're, if you're doing a great job with them. Um, and I might not need to do as much. So we'll determine based on your, your healing. Um, we'll do kind of a deeper cleaning at that point, what we call scaling and root planing. And then we'll determine how frequently you need to wear the trays based on how you're responding and how you're healing long term. My goal is that as we get things really, really healthy and stable, you'll go to where you're wearing your trays once a day for 10 to 15 minutes. There is a side effect to these trays that it does gradually whiten your teeth pretty significantly. So that would be our very best treatment for you. The alternative to that would be doing what we call scaling and root cleaning or that deep cleaning. And that's where I'm going in all the way to the base of those pockets and and scraping and flushing as much of those bacteria out as I possibly can. I'm going to be honest with you doing that does kind of create what we call a bacteremia where it's stirring all that bacteria up into your bloodstream at once. Um, and I know I'm not actually sterilizing anything. So I know I'm getting a lot of the bacteria, but I'm not necessarily getting all of them. So in those cases, we have to be really, really thoughtful of how we're going to target your home care toward those areas because they become really, really hard to reach for you, which is why I'm a bigger proponent of the trays. I just gave you a ton of information. So tell me, what do you have questions about? What are your, what are your thoughts? Where do you think you would like to go from here?
1: And then I'm really quiet. So you've, you've never done that before, huh? You're a complete rookie. It sounded completely <laughs> unnatural and unfamiliar to you. I feel like I could do that in my sleep. Like- I feel like you definitely could. I, I think I've heard the exact, yeah. but every time you say it, it's very like authentic and like, you're really connecting with the person and you tie it back to their chief complaint. But like, clearly I want to touch on just a couple of things because you did just do a lot. You just demonstrated a lot of things. And I think that there are some um, some really like you just gave us like golden nuggets in regards to just enrolling patients in general, not just in regards to perioprotect, protect right? So the first thing is you reviewed the problem first, right? Problem, what's going to happen if we do nothing, the long-term implications of not treating the problem, and then here are the possible solutions. I didn't notice any point in time when you brought up the cost, Correct. Right. So correct. Okay, so why is that so important? I think I think that this is a an important thing to touch on with the peri protect trays because it is a quote unquote higher price tag if it's coming from the hygiene department. It is one of our our more quote unquote expensive um, uh, uh, treatments that we offer. So what what is your thought on not bringing the cost up? And and what is the thought on? Well, let me tell you. I'll I'll tell you my thought. My thought is because I can't contain myself. I'm sorry. That was just so beautiful. Um, is of course. We want to present the problem, the solution, everything that, you know, the problem, uh, challenges, questions, solution, do all of that stuff. Because in the grand scheme of things, the money is the least important thing, right? It's the least important thing. We want to get our patients healthy. That's our come from. So we're going to talk about all those things first. And we want to let them understand the value before we put a price tag on it. Because then they can decide, okay, do I value that enough? But if we put a price tag on it first and we make that a barrier, then they're not going to hear the value. They're going to get stuck at the trays cost as much. And then they're not going to hear the rest of what Charissa said so beautifully. So that's really important. Another thing that you did is you let the patient hear, you let the patient see by showing them the photos, the radiographs, and then you let the patient, I know that you would show them a model of the perioprotect and let them touch the trays a lot of times as well. So you're engaging multiple senses there. I, so, also,
0: I didn't say this because I wasn't actively doing it, but if I have a patient who you know, obviously it's tender when I'm period charting. I I kind of use that to say, oh, that's tender. I'm like, yeah, that's really common when things are infected. You know, it's again, them feeling that and putting that together, like that's not a normal thing.
1: Yep. You said, you said, I'm concerned there's infection. You noticed bleeding there's bleeding here. These are the things that I look for. You pre so that they knew what to listen for. So they were engaged in the entire process. So, and then you asked an open-ended question at the end of all of that. Right. What questions do you have? What are your questions? So I just gave you a lot of information. What, do, what, do, what are your thoughts on this? So all of those things I think are key in enrolling any treatment, but especially perio, which is like, they, you know, no one comes to the dentist, like, Hey, my gums hurt. You know, like I, that's happened a handful of times, right? Sometimes there's an acute inflammatory problem and or there there's nug, there's nup, there's something going on or there's, you know, something, a popcorn kernel lodged somewhere. But other than that, no, patients don't come like, yeah, my gums are, I think I have a problem with my gums. I think they're inflamed.
0: Yeah. Some, uh, there are a handful that do. And that's when I get super excited. Mm-hmm. when they Like I had a patient a few weeks ago and she came because when she's bleeding, I mean, when she's brushing her teeth are bleeding profusely. And I'm like, yes, I got the name. I got an answer for you. We're going to stop this. This is going to be great. Yeah. But you're right. Most people don't have any idea. I mean, I think, I think if you took a survey of, of Americans, I think the majority of Americans think that pink in the sink is normal. You know, when they brush and floss, that's like, oh yeah, I bleed a little bit. They, they don't think that that's a problem. But if, you know, you were to brush your hair and your scalp started bleeding, that would really put you on edge. So I think, you know, we, we've, we've got to battle that, that mentality.
1: Yep. Yep. That's an analogy that I know Ashley that I work with loves to use too. That's a great analogy. All right. So that's in regards to enrolling and verbiage um, and in regards to treatment planning and fees. Um, so the perioprotect code is d 5994. It's periodontal medicament carrier. It's actually a medical code, right? So medical insurance will sometimes uh, recognize this code for some reason. I'm not sure why it's not, a, a, it's not recognized by dental insurances, but I know that I, we tell our patients, if you want to investigate you know, coverage or see if they'll contribute to some of the cost of the trace, you can you know, call your medical insurance company. Here's the treatment plan. Here's the, the code. And you can investigate in your own time. They'll cover up to 50% of the trace.
0: Right. And I feel really embarrassed because I don't have it in front of me right now, but the codes actually change as of 2021. Oh yeah, they did. Um, they have, they now have a code for maxillary and a separate code for mandibular. And I think it's like five, nine, nine, five and five, nine, nine, six.
1: I think so too. I think you're right. Yeah. It's the same beginning, but yeah, you're absolutely right. They did just change. All right. So that's, that's the code. Um, in regards to scanning or impressions, like Sharisa said, that's how you really get the ball rolling. Um, so we both do now digital scans with iTero. Um, it is, you know, we do an, uh, an eye record scan, you need about six millimeters of gingiva and you do need to get the distal of third molars, second molars, um, everything yes. as much gingiva yes. as you possibly can because we want an adequate seal. And if um, you don't
0: have an iTero, cause that's fairly new to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just started that at the end of last year. So if you don't have iTero, um, you can send impressions. Um, you want it to be the monophase, light body impressions. You, you're, you, obviously, you're not going to send alginates. Um, but impressions need to be really good. Um, like Brittany said, you need to really capture the gingiva about, you know, five to six millimeters beyond the gum line. Um, and you don't want to have any pulls. You want everything to be really, really exact. That's important because these trays are so specifically made you can pour up your own models and send those in again everything just needs to be really really exact and well done um, there is a little bit more of a fee they the lab fee um they do have a lab fee for either pouring up models or printing out the scans just depending on on how you go
1: yeah and and i would say let's let's i just want to give a ballpark or a, a cost uh frame of reference here um it, the Average cost for trays to the office is in the realm of two to three hundred dollars, depending on whether or not you um, include home care systems and the first gel and all that stuff. So that's that's where that bracket comes from. On um, the average cost to the patient is I think eight hundred, twelve hundred yeah. around there in that in that bracket in that bracket.
0: is the national average, okay. but I know there's offices that go up
1: to twelve and thirteen
0: hundred. It's just you know kind of deciding what area you're in and and what what your practice wants to do for
1: that. Right, and the trays, you know, as long as there's not a significant change in a person's uh, dental topography, meaning they don't have extractions or get a full mouth rehab or a significant change in, you know, their, the shape of teeth or anything like that, the trays last five to 10 years as long as the patient yes. takes good care of them. So it is, it's is—it's not like retainers and you know, something I tell my patients, this isn't an investment that is gonna be continuous. You know, it's not gonna be like retainers where you have to replace them every two years. they last five to 10 years as long as nothing significant happens in your mouth. Um, and it's, it's a long-term investment.
0: Yeah. And as far as the Perio Gel and the Vibromycin go, um, we carry those in our office. And we do that because we do so many trays. And I feel like it creates some accountability for patients when they come in and I say, hey, do you need some gel? If their answer is no, I know they haven't been wearing them. So it's a good way to you know, kind of keep, keep them on track and, and keep them going and monitor that they're actually using them. Um, but we do, we order that from Dakota Pharmacy. Um, we keep that in stock in our office. If you're just newly starting and you're not sure that you want to have that going on, you can actually uh, call in a prescription for your patient to Dakota Pharmacy, and they can get it through them directly. So there's there's a couple of different options there. I also like to keep it in the office because when I'm delivering their trays, um, I want them to have. I want to be able to give them everything they need to get started.
1: Hmm. Yep, so so whether you're scanning or taking impressions, um, if you're scanning, well, either either way, you need to submit a paper script, right? So if you're scanning, you can fax it over. If you send impressions, Teresa, do you just send that with the impressions? Yeah. Okay, so you send the paper script with the impressions, okay.
0: And when I do uh, the scan, I actually email. I email both the lab script and the perio charting together.
1: Gotcha, we fax, so I guess you could do it either way. <laughs> Whatever is more user-friendly for your office. Um, and then in regards to delivering, I know Sharice touched on earlier, you said it takes about two to three weeks for the trays to, to come back once you submit that scan and it arrives or the submit that um, impression and it arrives. But I know with the pandemic, our turnaround times have been a little longer. They've been like four to five weeks. They've been a little slower than usual. I'm not sure if it's because of the volume going through, or like, or the personnel, and just people coming down with COVID or what. But we've been we've been having a little bit of a lag. So right now we're at about four to five weeks for the turnaround. But um, it's a great idea to del- to schedule that delivery appointment so that they're on the books. They make sure to get their perio trays. Yes. Um, we usually collect uh, at least half up front, or or in full up front, and then upon delivery they either owe half or zero, or we or you formulate an in-office treatment plan for them if that's what is necessary. And we schedule about 20 to 30 minutes for that delivery. And Teresa, do you want to go through your verbiage for delivery?
0: So, sure. Um, I always try them in first mm-hmm. um, to make sure that they've got the proper seal and they fit comfortably. Um, there are times where if the patient has maybe some exostoses or some tori or they just got thinner um, attached gingiva that there's been some areas or even around like the very back you the know, very distal of the, the molars where they think things feel like a little too tight or pressing too hard. You can almost see like the tissue blanching a little bit. Um, I have been able to adjust the trays. I use a hot knife for that. You want to be very, very careful to not adjust anywhere near to the seal. Cause obviously that's what makes them work. Um, I've also sometimes seen though, if there's a little bit of a flange on the very distal, it might not want to seat all the way down. If I can take that hot knife and take that extra little flange off, it'll, it'll seat. So making sure they're fitting right. And, you know, I'm sticking my glove fingers in, making sure that the seal is happening, Um, making sure the patient's comfortable. Um, I literally open the gel Unscrew the tube, tell them, you know, we got to cut this tip off, screw it back on. I've had patients, if you don't really tell them all these things, like I've had patients cut through the end of the the, the screw tube and then there's no way to seal their gel off afterwards. So all the little things. Um, Basically, what I instruct them to do is just make a thin line of gel from one molar to the other around in the tray. Um, if we're incorporating the vibromycin as well, and again, that's really, I'm only using that for patients who have really exacerbated inflammation because it will take it down very quickly or more significant bone loss. So it's really, and it, because it's a liquid and it's hot pink in color, you can't miss where it's going. Um, you just put a drop, drop, drop kind of around the tray, or if it's just one quadrant, you can just put it in that area and then put the trays in. They're going to wear them for 10 to 15 minutes. Um, and then when they take them out, they're gonna gently brush off the gel, rinse the tray under cold water and lay it out to dry. And there is, like Brittany said, there's some options you can get through Perio Protect where you can get like a little patient care case that comes with them that like they can hang them in, which is really nice. Um, I do ask them if they have dogs at home because I've had several trays become really expensive chew toys. So, you know, if you've got a dog at home for somebody reason they love these things, keep them high up and far away. Um, and to only use cold water to clean them because hot or warm can warp them. I've had a patient who put them in the dishwasher to clean them and they did oh. not do the same.
1: Well, that was a good thought. They just wanted to sterilize. I mean, yes,
0: I, I, mean I, I thought it was, you know, they're trying to be helpful.
1: So you went um, been through the exact, like, not surprisingly, I'm sure I got this from you. The exact protocol that I use too, that tends to work best. And you just went over what not to do first. So this is the part. That people, I think, pay the most attention to. There's only like really three don'ts. Don't use warm or hot water. Don't use gel, oil, or paste that I don't give you. Don't use anything other than prescribed because like you said, it can ruin the seal and don't leave them out where a pet can access them.
0: Yep. And that's pretty much it. So, you know, they'll they'll lay them out
1: for their next wear and brush the gel off their teeth and, and go about their day. Mm -hmm. And usually when I have them try them in, they do blanch the gums, even in areas where they're not fitting too tight, even just where the seal is. So I like to show the patient like, Hey, this is completely normal. Your gums may appear white as anywhere pinchy or pokey anywhere bothering you. And then that's when we'll do the adjustment, but I want them to know that that's normal. And also, like you said, you, you make sure that they're seated all the way. Uh, to make sure that they fit, but also that the patient gets that feeling of like, this is like a diabetic leg stocking. Like it's supposed to be very snug. That's tight. Yeah. yeah it's, it's very snug. So you want them to, to know that that's normal. Um, and then, you know, I don't actually dispense the gel either, but I show them, yeah, molar to molar, all the way at the bottom. You don't want to get the gel in the seal because that defeats the purpose kind of thing. Um, you show the patient, you know, big teeth on top, small teeth on bottom. This is how you determine the, the upper and lower trays. Uh-huh. You wear them for 15 minutes. Um, no, you can't wear them for 30 or 45. Like, it, yeah, dude, you have those patients get- that come in and they're like, I'm an overachiever. Like I, I couldn't do it
0: too, twice a day, but I did it once a day for 40 minutes. I'm like, that's awesome. Except the gel is pretty much done with its job at about
1: 20. So yeah, Yeah, yeah. that 10 to 15 minute uh, time frame is when it's most active and when the patient's actually getting, I will say
0: too, if you're questioning, like, I don't know about you, Brittany, but for the adjustment, I mean, I might have to adjust 5% of them. Like that's not a common thing that I'm having to do.
1: Yeah. It's, it's a low percent. I would say ours is a little bit higher and it's a little, it's a little strange. I don't, I don't know if it's something with the with the iTero or the scanning or something I would actually think it would be opposite with alginate impressions and the distortion that happens with those with humidity and stuff but I think that ours is maybe like 10 percent I would say still pretty low though and it's very straightforward and usually it's an immediate relief type of thing just like adjusting a night guard or adjusting a crown you know occlusal equilibration or whatever usually they're like oh yeah that's much better. So, and also I want to add, uh, photographs. So photographs before, during, after follow-up, um, the follow-up is generally four to six weeks. You know, we have them come back in do a periodontal chart or, or sometimes if, if their maintenance is in two months, I'll just wait till their next maintenance, right. you know, and, and reevaluate at that visit, update some photographs. But I like taking the photos because that's really the best. It's the, it says a thousand words like Teresa likes to say, you know, and it, and it encourages the patient when they can see the changes. Yeah, billing. absolutely. Yeah. And I I have a patient that I can think of off the top of my head who recently, you know, he's he's had ongoing perio issues and has been uh kind of steadfast, steadfast in not wanting to move forward with a whole lot of treatment and resolving and doesn't, you know, follow home care recommendations. And every three months it's like a mountain of calculus buildup on those lower interiors, the facial and lingual. Um, and it was interesting how he actually complied to wearing the protect trace. So we talked about him extensively. Talked about you know rescaling, and this was he was just barely overdue for his home care, and his period disease was just off the charts. Like it was so incredibly active that we were like, we have to retreat this. You're in treatment mode now, and it was only like five months since his last recare. You know, just the poor home care and the calculus accumulation. Um, so talked about rescaling and peri trays, and how you know we want to minimize the need for treatment um so he was enrolled he was a little grumpy pants about enrolling and saying yes and like oh my god this is expensive and like why are you know why are we doing this and is it necessary and I've known him for a long time so I was just very straight with him I was like yes it's necessary yes this is what's best for you let's let's do this I'll take pictures I'll show you next time like I was just like just trust me do it you know do whatever you can and and let's look at it together next time so we took original the photographs that day and then did the scaling and then took follow-up photographs in four weeks. And then at the three month, and it was just insane. The change, the reduction in inflammation and redness at the gingival margin, the reduction in calculus accumulation, even though the patient hadn't changed his home care, besides adding peri protect trace, the whiteness of his teeth. And it's funny because I asked him, I'm like, I can just see clinically the change that's happened before even period chart. I'm like, I haven't haven't done the numbers yet, but clinically I can see the change that's happening in your gums. Have you noticed? He said, no. I, I pulled up those photographs and he I could see the the light bulb go off in his head and he was like, oh like he really got it at that moment and it was a person you know who, who we had been on this kind of rough road with who'd been a little stubborn and hadn't you know hadn't accepted the treatment and had difficulty kind of believing it and it was it was a cool aha moment. Nice that's yeah. awesome yeah awesome.
0: yeah I mean there's definitely I mean I think we could do a whole nother podcast of just the the stories that we've seen that the individual patient stories that we've seen I mean, I have seen multiple patients, A1C levels come down because we're treating that source of chronic inflammation. Um, I've seen patients with arthritis who stopped doing hobbies, go back to to doing them and then finding that joy and, and that life again. Um, you know, I, I just think it's incredible what they can do for people outside of just reducing you know, the, the plaque levels and
1: the bleeding, you know, I've seen a lot of improvement in chronic fatigue, believe it or not. Yeah. Like, I'm just like, man, I'm always tired, man. I'm just, you know, yeah. and we've ruled out OSA and ruled out other things kind of thing. And then they start wearing peri and they're like, I just feel better. You know, I just have more energy. I feel like I'm just more awake during the day. And it's just, it's just like, when you're not fighting that low grade chronic infection, just at, at a basic level, you have room to thrive. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I want to, you know, we could talk all day because we love this and it's yeah. super, super effective. Um, you know, I know sometimes the the dollar signs are what what speak when a practice is considering bringing something in and what can that benefit. So I want to just throw out some numbers um, for what Period Protect can bring in. So um, if you were doing one set of trays a week, your new annual revenue that you're going to add. Is thirty eight thousand four hundred, which brings in a profit to the practice of about twenty four hundred. So that's just doing one set of trays a week.
1: You mean profit is twenty four thousand? Yes. So okay, so the okay, got it. Yeah. So
0: you know that's just a small thing to think about, but that's just one tray a week. But that's you know it's it you're making a huge impact in the um, patient healthcare as well as the profitable profitability of the practice. So something really to consider.
1: Yep. I think you're right. We could go for hours on that, but with that, do you have any other pressing? What I, what I
0: have is if you are listening to this and you, number one, if you want more information, like I said, Brittany, and I could talk about this all day and I've had some of you already reach out to me through our mighty network and ask me, you know, some specific questions about Protect and how to, how to get that going. Um, So we love to help kind of coach you through that. Um, but you can start off getting more information. If you go to the website, it's providers.perioprotect.com backslash bulletproof. Um, then you will kind of go be going through us and it gives you a little bit of a discount. Um, there's tons of information there about how it can benefit, how the process works. Um, but that's where I would start is check that, that site out. And then obviously come visit us on our mighty networks, come join our community there, ask us questions, let's talk about, tell us your success stories. Like let's, uh, let's get into it. Let's have some fun with it.
1: Yep. And as always, remember that we would love to see your face in person this coming July, July, 2020 in Austin for Bulletproof Summit. And if you're interested in connecting with us in that way, go to bulletproofsummit.com. It's information about registration, exact dates, ticket uh, costs, and you're, you're able to get more information and register there.
0: And do you know what, Brittany? What? All of our attendees become PerioProtect providers at no
1: cost to them. So probably the biggest icing on the cake I've I've heard recently. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. So everybody have a great week.
0: Reach out if you have questions, and we'll see you next week.